and I realized that from the get-go, he was like saying, take 15 best guys, we have a lot of guys, all this. So I got came here, and I got cut. And I was so destroyed here. So that's how I came here. I feel like I'm sounding like a martyr. <laughs> like, no, life's really good. But I've had a lot of adversity, which made me who I am today, I guess. Welcome to Unlocking College Life. Real talk about all things college. The best part of this podcast is that your voice is part of the show. Other students care what you have to say. So through your questions, your feedback, and your real talk, we all grow together. Let's dive in with your hosts, Joy and Alona. Welcome back, everyone, to Unlocking College Life. Today, we are joined by Piers, a student who is at the University of Redlands in California. And I will let you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about where you started your college journey and where you are now. Perfect. Hi, guys. I'm Piers. I am a senior in college or super senior, and my college journey it's a good question, as open-ended as it is. Well, I'm here, I'm sober, so like, I feel like our journey, my journey is so different than most people in college. I went to Santa Barbara, which is a community college, but also you live on campus or live nearby, and it's not like that friendly way of like meeting people and stuff like that. You have to really put yourself out there, so it was really easy to meet people when you were at a party or something like that, which, looking back, it's very superficial and so i meet a lot of people so yeah city college i went because i got recruited for basketball and by my old high school coach and i was playing there i lived with my best friend at the time and the team was horrible we went one in 24. it's so hard if you're on a bad team bad sport culture i redshirted that means i didn't play i like a year off to get better and it was for me even though i met people through partying and stuff it was really hard to make friends like I tried clubs because the basketball, you had 15 guys and I didn't really get along with them usually. And so that was tough. And then the person I was living with wasn't up there a lot because I feel like most freshmen in college, they miss home and he'd later transfer to a college more near him. But I felt very lonely. And how I dealt with that was I dived into my drinking and I dived into a really not healthy relationship, which we drank a lot. And that I thought would cure my loneliness, but it did not. I got a job at the zoo, Santa Barbara Zoo. Zoos are weird. I don't I don't recommend working at a zoo. I feel like a Disneyland would be like that, but less weird. So I got new roommates on the basketball team. It's my second year. Again, I'm still having trouble. I'm trying clubs. I'm trying new stuff. I hated it, to be honest, my first few months there. And I'm from LA, but I love going home. And I got my new roommates and we hung out. They were partiers and, you know, Santa Barbara, it's a huge party culture, I feel like. So, yeah, we'd party and that genuine relationships meeting people is really tough. That's what my drinking really, long story short, I, um, I realized I can't do this. And when I was able to, jumped in the water, in Santa Barbara, there's a beach. So it was like I jumped in the ocean on January 1st and I said, please help me, God, or there will be warmth. Like, I can't keep drinking trying to fit in with people. I got out. My basketball coach, funny enough, was also the head drug and alcohol counselor at a hospital in town. And my dad was also in the program. So I was able to start going to meetings. And then I found that group at the meetings, not at Santa Barbara, but later on at Redlands. So, but yeah, City College for me was tough to meet people. Like, I'm not going to sugarcoat that. I'm curious if you, looking back, what's your insight on why it was difficult. I think that different folks struggle with different challenges when coming to college. Can you put a finger on what all was sort of contributing to that? For me, I think it's from the city college perspective, people go to class, go home. 
And I think why it was so hard for me too was like I didn't know like you go out of your way you meet someone in class hey let's hang out where I feel like it was just always easy I went to private schools and just I went to schools so it's just very that community was built in where in college 22,000 people at Santa Barbara City College so I think that was much harder to like find that niche of uh, or group at a college so I'd say that it would be the city college aspect of it and the bigness and also I think there has to be a pride. I think that creates, too, a friendship group and all that. Well, and we actually had another guest talking about sort of like relating this idea of drinking. In this case, I mean, you really found out that you needed to not be drinking at all, but that it was the act of sort of over drinking was a symptom of itself of, like you said, like the loneliness. I do wonder, was there anyone who noticed earlier on? Is he okay? That's the thing, because it's in college. You see it. I go to parties still today. I've stopped because I started getting really nervous because there's just so much drinking. And it's really tough in college. Oh, is he okay? Because it could be Friday night. He's drinking. That's fine. But I think it started getting really worrisome when, for me, I got scared when I started threatening to kill myself when I got drunk. And I'm a positive, happy, look behind me, people can't see, but like, I have a t-shirt that says Love Yourself Week that I put on. We put on this huge event at my school and that was my event planning, but that's later in my college story. But yeah, I have a lot of self-love and all this and then I'm threatening to kill myself when I'm drinking. So I was like, this is getting the powers getting completely completely, uh, transferred to drinking and partying and trying to fit in where I'm not going to fit in. Yeah. So it sounds like you had a real self-realization moment more than other people saying something. And so maybe tell us a little bit about how did you get from... Santa Barbara City College to to Redlands. So at that time, I was playing basketball. I got hurt, and then I got sober. I got hurt, 12 games, and I was looking at colleges around here, and there's not a lot of Division three colleges because I wasn't this big superstar who's going to play at March Madness. I was just a decent basketball player who really loved it and studied it and had a good mind for it. And... I got recruited by another school out there, but they had a bad record too, out here, me in California. They had a really bad record and I didn't want to go down that rabbit hole again. So I tried Redlands and they said from the get-go, look, we take the 12 best guys. We don't, and that's it. We're taking the 12, the 15 best guys. Come out if you want. I was like, yeah, I'm down to come out. And so I come out and Redlands is their main mascot's a bulldog. My mom loved the bulldog aspect because we have bulldogs. <laughs> so that was her selling point on it. But for me, I just love the basketball team. I love that. But the thing that I didn't understand was I didn't really have a chance on the gecko. And I looked back at that when I was doing my inventory, which to forgive and all that. And I was writing it out and I realized that from the gecko, he was like saying, take 15 best guys. We have a lot of guys, all this. So I got came here and I got cut and I was so destroyed here. And so that's how I came here. I feel like I'm sounding like a martyr. <laughs> like, no, life's really good. But I've had a lot of adversity, which made me who I am today, I guess. So that's how I came to Redlands. So I'm curious. So you didn't really get to play. Where do you go from there then? What do you do with that? Exactly. So when you go from your complete identity and worth of playing every day for eight months saying like, I'm going to make the team at Redlands and visualization. And then obviously it's out of my control. But at the time I was like, I can make it all that to walking out. I'm very dramatic, so bear with me, but I feel like it was like a prisoner walking out of prison for the first time. Well, now what? I have so much time. I was dating a girl at the time who helped me so much, but it became very unhealthy. And I think a big part of it is my drinking. When I got sober, I put a lot of my addiction into people I was dating and it just becomes very toxic. Like it's not a healthy life. But at that time she was very 
good to have. I um going from something like every day. For example, I had dreams of I was trying out for the play and I'm stuttering and all that. And the judge, they're sitting behind a table like America's Got Talent. And the judges are like, oh, sorry, you didn't make it. And then I'm thinking right before I wake up for a whole day of school and all this, wow, I got cut from this and basketball. What am I good at? And that's how I wake up. I didn't understand how people liked me and all this. I had a big identity crisis. So my mom was like, you need to go to therapy. This is unrational. My parents, I've always been really close to. I'm an only child. And because I was really having struggle, I couldn't watch basketball. I started hating my friends. I didn't hate them, but I started disliking when they talked about practice, the basic things, because I wasn't doing it. So I go to therapy. That helped me so much seeing that. I started getting involved. This relationship with the girl after a few months started crumbling, and I realized I need to get a life. <laughs> this is getting bad. So I got a job at the social affairs or the student planning. And I liked it, and I tried to do more and more. COVID hit, but long story short, I rose up, and now I'm one of the main event planners, and I love it so much. Like That's the one of the best things that I found in college is that I want to be an event planner. Really big statement that I think is important for students to hear, which is, oh my gosh, therapy helps so much. But then I know it's hard to capture. Elena's a therapist. I get it. But can you capture for the folks out there that might be, why would I even go to therapy? Like, What was it about that? Oh, yeah. No, 100%. I think... Even before I got sober, like knowing, writing my emotions down, journaling, therapy, I can't do it alone. Okay, maybe when I got sober, I had more of this realization because before I thought I could do everything. But especially nine, ten months in my sobriety, I've read and How to Make Friends Influence People, great book. But they say we're emotional creatures and we're too complex. We need to write down our journals. We need to journal things. So for therapy, for example, the reason I loved it is because a professional was able to just look at it and slowly built up. Honestly, yeah, it's hard to pinpoint one thing, but I remember the first week she said, just look in the mirror, look in the mirror for five minutes. And I like started break down crying, like looking in this mirror and being, because I looked at myself for so long as a failure. And it's not, like I said, I had opportunity to go play basketball at this school. As my dad said, go for the goal, go for something that's really tough. So I looked at myself for, as a failure, but it wasn't. Like I still have a life. I still had so much going on for me. So that was just a big breaking point. So it's little stuff like that. It is hard to pinpoint therapy, but I guess it's turning, as they said, changing the track in your head from, oh, I'm a failure to look at all the stuff I have and look what I'm doing. And that's just slowly building up. Well, and speaking of slowly, right, I think it certainly allows you to really slow down and look at thoughts, look at your emotional responses and build insight. So I think that's part of it. I'm also curious, you said, I sort of discovered my passion and that's event planning. Tell us more about that. I mean, you have tried a couple of different things, a couple of different teams, schools, connecting was hard, but then you sort of found this thing. So tell us a little bit more. Yeah, so like I said, kind of lost, just stumbled into this. Both my folks, which I found out I, it's so weird. I've known what they've done all my life, but I never put two and two together that they were event planners. My mom's a publicist in Hollywood and my dad's a commercial producer, but they planned the thing. So that was a weird realization, but event planning, I, so I stumbled into it. Everyone was so nice. It felt like a recovery room or it felt like somewhere I belong and everyone was so nice and it was fun putting on events and making people happy and COVID hit. And I was still on this task. It was a little harder. I got a legit job because before it was like a volunteer and I was in charge of people. But one of my favorite things I did was 
March Madness, which it was around this time, I sent out all these basketball. I, I found a company that did like little basketball hoops and I sent them out to people during COVID. I'm at through ASUR or social affairs. That's what it's called at our school. It's called a different thing at every school, I feel. And so after that, I just fell in love with it. Now I'm planning events and there's just something about seeing your creation come to work. I feel like sometimes I'm like an artist. I'm like, oh, this is it. And just putting it all together. It's such a fun feeling. So much so that my birthday's next week and I put an event on my birthday. <laughs> That's fantastic. And finally, you can see some of your work coming to fruition, which some of the previous experiences didn't really exactly materialize, at least not in the final goals that you established. I'm sure there were lessons along the way, but it's nice to see results like that. When you said event planner and then you said COVID head, being in the business world, I know that event planning was one of the first or some of the sort of fields that were hit the hardest and had to pivot the hardest, right? Because how do you go from events? I mean, sure, we all pivoted to like Zoom and all of that, but that's a whole different ballgame when you're trying to do an event on Zoom. So how was that transition? I mean, I know you talked about March Madness, but can you say more about that? It was tough. I tried finding pauses. What we our school did, and at that time, like I was an assistant, I wasn't the main event planner, but which now I'd consider myself more of a main event planner. But at that time, how we transitioned with the ideas from others is we sent out boxes, bag of popcorn, and then we did a movie night. And we said, go watch this movie or something like that. The hoops is because I got to put on a tournament, a March Madness tournament, where you sign up and you win a gift card. It was a lot of virtual activities, but the attendance was so low. It was so tough to get people. Honestly, at the beginning of the year, the COVID cases were high. And I was like, I didn't want to do one more event online because I was so tired of it. So what I'm noticing about what you're saying is in the beginning, when you were playing basketball, this doesn't happen for everyone, but you had said like you didn't actually feel a sense of belonging on your basketball team. But now it seems like you found this thing where the dominant feature was you felt like you were really welcomed in. And then I know you shared with me earlier that you're now you're an RA, which is antithetical to where you started. So I wonder like, how did that happen too? RA, I'm not gonna lie. I just wanted my own room. <laughs> That's how I started. I really wanted my own room. But I joke since I'm three years sober and all this, I feel sometimes I get more of the tougher assignments as an art just out of coincidence and random. As an RA, I've had a guy who was like standing on ACs looking into girls' rooms just on my night out of nowhere. I've had a student of concern. We have three other RAs and we're in the apartment. So that's like the seniors. I have had any calls like that. So I'm just like, okay. I think being an RA at first, I just want my own room. Now I'm like, well, I've done a lot more than I ever thought I could handle. And it's taught me a lot. Like, I don't want to be a cop. <laughs> that's one thing I've learned and all that. As an RA, aside from this peeping Tom thing, a view into a lot of student life, student successes, struggles. What themes have you seen? Can you tell us more about even what you said, I don't really want to be a cop and all of that, but what else have you seen? What do students struggle with? And what did you navigate or help folks with? So again, we're in the apartments, so it's not living in a dorm situation. It's very seniors come in and come out. You don't even have to go through a main way. It's very main way, meaning like open the dorm room and walking up the stairs. So I think it is harder finding what students need. But I would say in general and what I've noticed, and I know a lot of people, so I think that's why people reach out to me, is there's a lot of mental health. And I'm glad you brought or really wanted me to touch on therapy because I feel like a lot of students... I see it with some of my people I'm with constantly. 
and they don't know how to handle it. And that's what recovery helped me with is knowing how to handle it. in therapy and journaling, meditation. And I think in college, especially it goes to drinking and smoking. That's what I see a lot of. Yeah, you know, I was a student from a different school here in Michigan shared, this is a freshman who is actually in a sort of a traditional dorm and how pervasive weed is and even alcohol in that particular dome and is super, super mismanaged. And some students are in distress from what they have been seeing. But it sounds like your experience is different simply because of the setup and who your students are and where you are at. I've come to a place in my sobriety where I'm like, I can't judge people. But I mean, it's tough on Friday nights. There's loud music, loud partying, and we have quiet hours at 1am. So and it's 11.30, and I have like a meeting at 8 a.m., or that gets tough. And I feel like it's hard when you're a student who just doesn't like to do that. I just feel like college, a big thing, and I blame society for this, is partying, drinking, meeting people. And I've been to parties, many, sober, not sober, and you don't get any genuine relationships from that, too. So, yeah, I kind of agree with the person in Michigan. I feel that. I really do. This is where I think this is where it can translate to almost anyone is you're saying you had to learn these skills. You went to therapy. You also went through some major hardships with alcohol use that maybe not everybody goes through. But at the same time, for a lot of college students, because I've talked with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them about alcohol use, there is always an edge. There's always an edge to I'm using because it's just fun and lower inhibitions. And then there's the, wait a minute, why? What am I doing? And how is it impacting my ability to like show up authentically? And so I wonder, yeah, I wonder if you can translate some of those ahas from recovery that like actually would re- apply to almost anyone in terms of self-awareness, if that makes sense. Well, you've had to practice skills. What do you wish you could have known back at City College when you were diving into the deep end of terribleness? How drinking, there's deeper connection, deeper reason. And I think for me, being able to journal, I saw, oh, I'm doing this to fit in. I'm not doing this to have a good time. I like beer, but besides, I hated the taste of alcohol. And yeah, I think if I knew that, this is a big one for me. My dad said this last night at a meeting is I'm not going to find peace externally. It's never going to happen. And I think that's when I chase that contentment externally, I'm always going to be disappointed dating basketball, a job, whatever it is. So I feel single-handedly would be the biggest tip I would give to anyone. That's all inside you. So do you graduate this spring? Yes, I do. I'm really excited, (laughs) to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. So what's next? Where are you going from here? Right after, I'm packing up. I'm not staying. They have a May term, but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go to Rome. I got an internship for event planning. So I'm really excited about that. And I'm going to go for two months and then the last month just travel around and enjoy it. And then when I get back, I'm kind of that college student. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm hoping for good connections and just, I'm just really excited for Rome because I wasn't able to go abroad because of COVID. So that's what's next. Wow. What an amazing place to be doing event planning. I hope that is wonderful. And I hope that you also find good resources there to support you or do you know people there. So what I've been doing is especially for supporting. I've been going, and that's why I love Zoom and online. COVID did make the online world way better in the sense of meetings, for example. I've been going to meetings two times a week that are in Florence, Italy. So I've been meeting people that way. And that's why I like being in recovery because I do get to find that sense of who I was 
supposed to be in. And I'm not saying people who list have to be in a 12-step program. I feel like you can find it in whatever you like to do and very passionate about it. But it's a little bit of an automatic because there are meetings all around the world. So you can sort of automatically reach out to folks that you can connect with. So that's nice. Yeah, no, it is. It really, it's special being able to go anywhere and feel like home. <laughs> Literally speak the same language. The principles are the same everywhere around the world. So maybe as we start to wrap up again, I know you started to talk about this a little bit, but thinking if you were speaking to first and second year college audience, would you want folks who are like feeling lonely or Ugh, this isn't what I thought it was going to be? What would you want to say to students like that? Okay, the thing is, I'd say stuff and hopefully they'd listen. We all give advice and depends if they want to take it or not. But if they were, I would say, find what works for you. Don't try to find it in external sources, drinking, dating. If you're feeling lonely, do your best to put yourself out there because that's the only way you can solve it and know that you have people in your life who care about you. Because I think that you've, I heard this in a meeting, it's like alcoholics. And I feel like people, whenever you get depressed or lonely, it's you take a pill and you start seeing just negative effects. That's not the reality of the situation. So I'd say get involved in doing things you really like to do. Yeah, and it sounds like also in your case, sort of not giving up because it wasn't necessarily the first thing that you tried or even the first school that you tried. I mean, it took some trials and errors for sure. That's definitely a lot of resilience in life too. It's like finding strategies that work and just sticking with them. If the loneliness and feeling, that's why I love that book, How to Make Friends and Influence People. That helped me so much. And actually, I've been sober from weed for five years or six. I lost count because it doesn't, I don't count it because I didn't, wasn't working in a program, but I was reading that book helped me get sober because I saw I can meet people doing X, Y, and Z. So that book helped me. I feel like that's a play-by-play of how people should make friends. What are X, Y, and Z? X, Y, and Z is what from the book? Yeah. What's your take on it? I love just simple stuff. Listen, smile. Ask My favorite ones, ask people what they're passionate about because people, you guys have been asking me about sobriety. <laughs> so like that's why I'm just chit-chatting about it's they put it in a simple tone that oh we should know that i'm glad i'm learning it this now so that helped me a lot and that helps me whenever i'm in a weird situation to just start talking to someone and find their passion i think that's brilliant because so often we may try and ask questions that sort of land or don't land and sort of it goes nowhere right but to ask someone what they are passionate about that's going to be a hard one to not really answer and answer more thoroughly. I think it's brilliant. And actually, as you said, it may seem so automatic, but it's really not necessarily. We don't really apply it. Well, and when we're so focused on ourselves, when someone's feeling lonely or socially awkward, we think about our perception of how we're showing up. And that sort of switches it is ask the person about them. It's not about you. I think that's such a great way to build, obviously, build connection because people, they do want to tell you about themselves. They say that in the book, like everyone wants to feel special. So it's like if you're able to focus and be attentive and generally care, it's nice. Or just know someone's name. That was a big one too, which I'm bad at. That's the most special thing a lot of people have, their name, their first name. I think that's important because you're listening. So often we will have a conversation with someone, but we're not really listening. And so that is why we don't remember their name. And when you ask someone to talk about themselves, one, it takes the anxiety off of you, although... Folks who struggle with anxiety may then get wrapped up and what do I ask next? But if you can really drop in and truly listen, the conversation will evolve. You will also remember their name. If for anxiety, depression, something like that, if I could give advice to me, 
I would say don't be hesitant. Even though I'm sober and all that, I still take anxiety and ADHD medication. Especially anxiety, it's changed my life for the better. I don't wake up in fear. I used to wake up in fear and hear sounds and, oh, the world's nuclear bomb explode. But today, obviously, all the stuff going on, it's still scary. But I was in Santa Barbara and I was in my head and constantly fighting for happiness. So that's advice I would give to me. If a doctor recommends it and it's safe and healthy, like feel free to try medication. If you need it, be the best person you can be. Absolutely. And so I meant to ask you this before, but maybe a good thing to end on is you mentioned the shirt the love shirt or that that was something that you what say more about that so i was so proud of it a few weeks ago i don't like to say i like it was our team i had an idea and it was to do a week it was this was back in november for valentine's week for me i've always been single on valentine's day or like and getting in a ending a bad relationship then i wanted to do a whole week for it and so i was really proud because the little idea the reality of it and we were able to tie-dye. It rained on the next day, but then laser tag. And then we were, you smash plates to get your anger out. And then a paint and sip where you like paint. Those were like the few events we did. And I was just really proud. It was my little idea. And I, it just showed how far I came. Yeah, and I certainly think there are plenty of folks who would relate to that sentiment and feelings and experiences around something like Valentine's Day. So yeah, good for you. And what an event. Yeah, it was awesome. Well, thanks, Pierce, for being with us today. It was so great to talk with you. And we wish you good luck on the rest of your the last couple months here. Thank you. I really appreciate this. Absolutely. Thank you so much and good luck and enjoy Italy as well. I will. Thank you so much. I appreciate this. Take care. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening. Please rate and review us on your favorite pod platform. Share with your friends if this is making you think about and participate in college differently. We want to hear from you. Connect with us on Instagram and let us know how it's going. This podcast is not professional advice or replacement for therapy. If you need professional advice, you should find it with professionals in your area, such as your primary care physician or therapist.